0: Have it on this morning? Oh, cool. The McNeely family's good. Are you all good? Yeah. Great. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So good to see you all here this morning and uh, looking good. And uh, especially Pastor John, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. I heard that. Thank you. Uh, so good. Have you ever maybe heard the preacher tell a story? From the Bible, and you've gone, man, the Bible says that. Have you ever read a story in the Bible and thought to yourself, the Bible says what now? Have you? Maybe someone's told you a Bible story and you just thought, why is that story in the Bible? Like if I was writing some kind of manifesto, if I was writing some kind of book or material to show the world how awesome God is. I would not put that story in the Bible. Have you heard any of those stories before? Uh, you know, for instance, there's this one time where these teenagers were mocking a prophet, right? And the prophet got his feelings hurt, okay? The kids were saying, you're bald, you're balding. And uh, I chose that because it speaks to me. Uh, and the prophet turns and says, God, help me. And so a bear comes out of the bushes and mauls the teenagers to death. <laughs> why is that story in the Bible? Right? Why is it the Bible? There's this one time where Jesus is hungry and he wants to eat some figs. And so he goes to a fig tree to get some figs. Uh, by the way, it's not fig season. He goes to the tree and says, there's no figs. It's not fig season, Jesus. But he goes, there's no figs. So the Bible says that he curses the tree and the tree dies. Like, Why is that story in The Bible, the Bible says, what now? Why is that story in the Bible? And so the next few times that I talk, I wanna talk about uh, some of these stories that we might read and think, man, what that doesn't make God look good. How am I supposed to reconcile this benevolent, loving God to some of these harsh stories that I find in Scripture? A few weeks ago, we talked about Abram and Isaac and how God said to Abram, hey, go and kill your son, right? Give him as a human sacrifice to me. Why is that story in the Bible? We looked at that. You can get that on podcast uh, um, after church, whatever, and listen to that. Um, this morning, we're going to look at one of these stories where it might be difficult to uh, 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 reconcile a loving God to a crazy story. And so this is where we're going to move this morning. We're going to start with Uh, Let's go to that second slide, thanks. Uh, We're going to start with, uh, remember that time you said? We're going to go there this morning and then we're going to talk about, the Bible says what now? Okay, so we're going to pull a story out of the New Testament this morning. It's like, man, the Bible says that. Uh, Yeah, it does. Then we're going to move to, is grace theology or action? Is grace a theology word or an action word? We'll move on to liar, liar, pants on fire. And then there's two dead people in church. Are you ready for that one? Fantastic. And then we're going to finish on that time that I was told what would potentially kill me. And, uh, you know, but I didn't listen. Uh, Then when I was dying, I blamed everyone else for my death, not realizing that I was told the cure. I just didn't do anything to act on it. That's where we're going to go this morning. Remember that time you said? It's a phrase in my marriage that I hate hearing the most. And it all started when my wife and I had our son, Malachi. Young men, when it comes your turn to. Populate the earth. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Be there in that moment. It's amazing. You know, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so overwhelming. It's, it, it, it's beautiful. You know, seeing your son or daughter breathe for the first time is just unbelievable. But what I do want to do this morning is just give you some tips, okay? Some things that I learned, uh, you know, maybe not what to do in that situation because I did do something pretty stupid. Um, uh, so, You know, uh, Malachi was born, and uh, I don't know why I did that for, but he was born, and uh, it was so overwhelming, and, uh, you know, it was uh, this amazing experience, and uh, I just want to give three thoughts. Number one, uh, uh, make sure you go into it well hydrated, okay? I wasn't. Um, I didn't drink water, and I fainted, okay? So make sure you go in well hydrated. Uh, Number two, make sure you take off all jewelry, especially your wedding ring, um, because I didn't. And when your wife squeezes your hand, like, ouch, it hurts. And like, so take off the wedding ring because, you know, like I went home after that and I was just like, ow. Um, so take off your wedding ring because it, it, really, it really hurts, right? Uh, and then the third thing is don't talk, just cry, okay? Don't talk, just cry because I spoke, right? I said something and I said something stupid. I said something that I regret. Can I tell you what I said this morning? I said this, you know, uh, she had just gone through hell, whatever, and uh, I was so overwhelmed, I've seen my son breathe for the first time, he's now in Cat's arms, and it's this beautiful experience, and I'm there, and I'm crying, and I said something really, really stupid that I regret. I said this, I said, babe, from now on, you win all the time. (laughs) Now, I know what you're thinking, Tim idiot, I know, because now in arguments, hey, remember that time you said, <laughs> in board games, remember that time you said, you know, <laughs> at card games, remember, remember that time you said, you know, when she agrees to disagree with me, but I still have to agree with her, remember that time that you said, it comes up all the time, I shouldn't have said it, and the only comeback I have is this, you've taken it out of context, okay, that's my only rebuttal, you've taken it out of context, Because she has. Because in that moment, I was going through this unbelievable experience. i have never been there before. I'd never been in that situation before. You know, I was dehydrated. My uh, my emotions were all over the shop. I didn't know what was happening, and I was just in the heat of the moment. Church, please, no, in the heat of the moment, I said it. When I said, babe, you win at everything all the time, I didn't literally mean that every time we fight or every time we play a game, you win. It's taken out of context. That was taken out of context. Do I have any brothers with me this morning? Okay, here we go. There we go. Fantastic. You know that sometimes the Bible is just like that. Sometimes the Bible is like that. You know, the Bible is all about humans having experiences, you know, people having encounters with God, you know, uh, maybe they're going through a traumatic experience or they're trying to express this revelation, uh, uh, you know, that they've just had, or, you know, they're using cultural slang and local stories to illustrate a point. And then we come here three and a half thousand years later, taking these moments, sometimes out of context, making them into something different than the original author was trying trying to illustrate. Can I give an example this morning? Uh, check this out. Uh, this story, this is in the Bible. It says if you have a kid, right, if you have a son, so not kid, if you have a son and he's disobedient, take him out to the other people in the church and then stone him to death with stones. Okay, the Bible says this, okay? So, you know, if your son's naughty, kill him. The other kids won't be naughty anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> I tried, I used to have three kids. I've got two now and they're very good, um, This is what the Bible says. But I want to suggest to you this morning, it's taken out of context if you read it that way. If you look at this uh, uh, scripture, the first word son there, it actually doesn't mean son like as in kid. Um, the word there uh, means this, it, it, it means able through age to build the family home with a family name. That's what this word son means, okay? The son, he's able through age to build the family name. Meaning this, he's most likely married because he can continue the family name okay? Uh, if we continue looking in here further, okay, so you've got this adult son who's living with mum and dad. Uh, the reason that is is, is this. Uh, back in those days, when you got married, you didn't go out and buy your own house, right? Um, the father would simply add another room to the house. So That's right why at the end of the Bible, it says that God has a house with many rooms, right? He's adding to the family. And so you can see here that when this son got married, he didn't leave and start his own house. He continued living with his mother and father, probably in a room of his own with his family. Um, the word obey means to hear, not do what I say, but to hear. Um, I wanna bring this attention. Another reason that we know it's not like your kid here, it says this, it says, you know, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. Second last line, he is a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, let me tell you, if your six year old is walking around home with five crispy creams on each finger and a bottle of Han super dry in the other, you're not doing a very good job parenting, okay? So this isn't talking about your six year old kid. Okay, it's talking about an adult who's making decisions. Um, I want to bring your attention to the bottom. It says stone, death, stone. Now, these two words stones, they're actually two different words. You can go look at this yourself. They're two different words, and none of them actually mean the word stone. The first one means this. The first word stone means to split the needlework. To split the needlework, or take out of the fabric. The last word stone, uh, it, it, it means um, cornerstone, it, it, it means builder's stone, okay? So a stone to build with, not a stone to throw, but a stone to build with. Uh, that middle word death, um, translated means death, it means to die, uh, figuratively or literally. Now that the two stones aren't the literal word stone, I'm going to maybe assume this morning that maybe death doesn't mean literally. What the scripture actually says is this, if you have a son who's most likely married, And he's in your home and all he's doing is living to his own intimate senses and constantly getting drunk take him out of the fabric of your household send him out so that he can die to his old ways and then rebuild himself then bring him in that's what the scripture means okay we've got to put it into context so how do we deal with moments like these where we come across these stories and we go Man, the Bible says, what now? Why is that in the Bible? And we need to do exactly this. We need to look at the Scripture in context. We need to go back. What's happening? What's the historicity behind this? What's the historical arc? What's happening? Is there any cultural slang that I'm not familiar with? And we have to dig a little bit to get what the Scripture is saying. So this morning, are you ready? We're going to get to a story in the New Testament. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 5. If you want to get at your Bibles this morning. Acts chapter 5, get out your phone. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Before we get to Acts 5, while you're turning to Acts 5, I want to bring a little bit of context to this story that we're about to go into. Okay, you ready? Fantastic, because I am too. Okay, so Acts 5, 1 to 10 is where we're landing today. That's our scripture. But I want to uh, just uh, share Acts 4, 32 with you just for a little little bit of context. says this, "'All the believers were one in heart and mind. "'No one claimed that any of their possessions "'was their own, "'but they shared everything they had. "'There were no needy persons among them, "'for from time to time, "'those who owned land or houses sold them, "'brought the money from the sales.'" and gave the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is Luke writing about the early church and he's telling us that, you know, the early church uh, gave to each other and no one in the church had any needs. Okay, Acts 5, are you ready? Acts 5 says this, but, everyone say but. Okay, get ready. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, which is just a fancy pants word, meaning church leaders, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Everyone go, "Uh uh-oh. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us. But to God, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. <laughs> what a day in church that is. Wow. Hey, how was church? Ah, oh, it was good. Someone died. <laughs> okay, moving along. Who's going to come back next week? I oh, am, yeah, because I don't want to die. <laughs> Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Then some, check this out, then some young men got up this is initiative, Pastor John, some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him, all right? (laughs) Who wants some young men like that with initiative, yeah? (laughs) About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? the young men who brought your hus- uh, who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead as well, they carried her out too and buried her beside her husband. In Jesus' name, amen, right? Okay, so a few questions. Number one, a few questions. What were these young men thinking? Well, I think, can I, I think they would have been thinking this. Ah, they didn't teach us to do this in Bible college. <laughs> you know? They didn't talk, you know, that I've got to figure out how to get the drapes down from the curtain rods to wrap up dead bodies and take them out and bury them, right? They weren't thinking that. You know, when they come back and see another, you know, we just buried a guy. Now there's a dead broad, you know, in church. We're going to bury her again. You know, this wasn't on the Centro Church internship form, right? <laughs> that's, that's one question I have. Second question is this. Why is this such a big issue for Peter? Because they gave money anyway. So why did Peter get angry? What's the issue, right? Why did he pursue this issue? Another question is, so what happened to Ananias and Sapphira anyway? You know, why did they die? And then the fourth question that I have, which we're going to be answering through this whole uh, thought this morning is, why is this story in the Bible, okay? What is the writer really trying to tell us? And what is the real purpose of this story, okay? And uh, before we answer that, we need to understand the question, is grace theology, or is it action? Is grace a theology word, or is it an action word? The author of this story is a guy named Luke, okay? He wrote a book called Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Luke Acts is actually one book. It should be read together. It's called Luke Acts, okay? So he wrote this. And the problem that Luke had was he had lots and lots of material about Jesus. He had lots and lots of material about the early church. Unfortunately for Luke, he didn't live in the technological age that we do, where we have unlimited storage capacity digitally, right? He had a limited use of, 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 of paper and things to write on. And so he could only put specific things in that he thought would build and encourage the church, okay? So he adds this story on purpose. Why? Okay, now, at the end of chapter four, we read it right Luke uh, is, is trying to show us is trying to show the church right that a revelation of God's grace you know uh, b- because it works so powerfully in us there's it, it turns into action there's no needy persons among the people of the church that's what Luke is trying to say uh, w- Luke is saying because there's a revelation of the cross because Jesus gave grace to us that revelation then transforms us to give grace to everyone and for Luke he's showing us that grace Grace is a doing word the church take care of each other's material needs right food water shelter things like that Healthcare. to luke grace is not an abstract theological word but it's a practical action doing word right Grace has an action attached to it. Grace leads you to action. Grace compels the church to meet real needs for and by real people in real ways. If grace is the unmerited favor of God through Christ and we are to reflect who Jesus is, then where in our life are we giving unmerited favor? Okay, that's what Luke is talking about. This is the whole purpose of The story, Luke is showing us that the church gave to one another so that no one had needs. Grace always led to action. And then we have Peter. Ananias and Sapphira, they do an action. And then we have Peter. Okay, so let's paint the story. Ananias and Sapphira, they've just given money to the church and then Peter goes mental on them. Why? (laughs) Now, first thing that we need to understand Peter is that Peter has a past, okay? Peter has a past. Um, There was this one time where Jesus was uh, walking uh, to the cross to die, and this little girl uh, comes to Peter and says, hey, aren't you one of the guys that hung out with this guy? And Peter lied blatantly, flat out, in front of Jesus, lied three times and denied who Jesus was. Lie, lie, pants on fire, right? He denied who Jesus was. Now, a few years later, Peter is the head of the church, okay? Peter is the leader of the church. He's now in charge. He's learned his lesson about honesty. He's learned his lesson about authenticity, about grace, about sincerity. So now, can you see how this circumstance might irk Peter up? How Ananias and Sapphira, they come in claiming that this was the full amount but it wasn't. They were dishonest. Can you see how this might tick Peter off? For Peter, the money wasn't the issue. You can read this yourself. He wasn't angry out of greed. The church wasn't angry out of greed because they wanted the money. In fact, Peter says this. Peter says, hey, you can keep the money. The money was yours to keep. The money was yours to give. What Peter is saying is, uh, you could have done whatever you want with it. It was yours, you know? But the problem that Peter had, who cares about your money? This is my problem that I have, is that you're dishonest. That's the problem. You're pretending. Pretending is what fired Peter up, right? Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's what irks Peter. Ananias and Sapphira, they lie to the group. They pretend to be 100% involved but they're not. That's Peter's issue. That's why he got upset, right? There's not many things that will kill the life of a community, but this is one of them. Pretending to to participate is one of them. That can kill a community. And this is what Peter is addressing. Don't come here saying this is everything when it's not. You know, Luke is showing us that, uh, you know, there's a community who has this, undivided attention you know to meet each other's needs to 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 meet the needs of the group and and, and he's talking about this you know when people are able to participate he's saying that when people are able to to, to participate they did you know who knows sometimes you're not able to, to participate sometimes you can't give sometimes you don't have the time right sometimes you're the one who needs help and it's in those moments that we need others and it's in those moments that we can participate Participate. That's what Luke is talking about. That's why Peter is upset. So we have Luke telling us that this community existed for one another. We have Peter getting upset because a couple was manipulating the trust of the community. And now we have two dead people in church. <laughs> We've got two dead people in church. So question, why did Ananias and Sapphira die? I'm going to give you the answer now and then we'll work. Is, is, that, is that all right? Why did Ananias and die? Here it is. I have no idea. <laughs> no one does. It doesn't say. Because it's not the point of the story. Okay, their death isn't the point of the story. But, okay, I, here are my thoughts on why did we just... It, okay, n- number one. I've heard preachers say this, right? That, you know, they lied to God, therefore the judgment of God came on them, therefore God must have killed them. Okay, n- number one. That's just so uneducated, uh, because God is not mentioned anywhere. Can we just have that scripture up? I think so, whatever. Uh, God is not mentioned anywhere in this scripture, right? That God did it. So to say that God did it, it's just wrong to say that, because uh, God isn't mentioned in this scripture. Number two, don't forget that we're reading somebody's account of events unfolding. And number three, the person who's writing this is a first century person who had uh, a lot more mythical and superstitious worldview than what we have in the scientific age, yeah? And so that's what's happening right? Uh, You know, in, in, in Luke's day, it was thought that if it rains, the gods must be happy with us, right? If there's an earthquake, the gods must be angry with us. If I'm having lots of kids, then I must have the favor of God. If a volcano's going off, then I must have lost that favor. You know, if there's a storm, then maybe the gods are fighting. It was very mythical and very superstitious, and sometimes two unrelated events would be connected. We do that still, in the scientific age, <laughs> imagine for a moment you're at in, you're in an ATM, right? and uh, you're taking it, let's just say a thousand bucks, thousand dollars, you know, because you want to buy something for a loved one and you don't want to show up on the credit card, whatever, and as you take the money out, some guy or girl, whatever, from behind hits you, hits you in the head, knocks you over, and flogs your money, Now, as you come back to life, you look over and the person grabs the money, running off and, you know, there's this old lady walking and bang, you know, knocks the old lady over and, you know, throws a few kicks and whatever, you know, runs and then runs onto the road. As he runs onto the road, bang, gets hit by a bus. Okay. Now, in that moment, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, I can get my money back, that's awesome, (laughs) Uh, you might be thinking this, serves him right, he got what he deserved, yeah, you know, he had that coming, that's what you get, what goes around, comes around, what did you just do? You just connected two separate events. And even though we live in this scientific revolution, this scientific age where, you know, uh, science says you need actual proof, you know, to, 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 to put two uh, uh, things together, whatever, uh, we don't. We are still mythical and still superstitious, you know. <laughs> and so we come to that conclusion, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, this guy robs you. Then he gets hit by a bus, you know, uh, sucked in. That's what I'm thinking. You know, justice. You know, the universe has balanced itself. You know, you reap what you sow. We still revert to this, you know, this mysticism, this, this uh, you know, uh, superstition. Scripture doesn't say why Ananias and Sapphira died, right? And this is why. It's not the point of the story. That's why. They're possibly two separate events that are disconnected. Yet Luke, you know, when writing the story, maybe he connected two events. Who knows? Maybe they had a heart attack. Maybe they were so overwhelmed by letting the, you know, the group down. Maybe that's what killed them. Uh, You know, maybe they were sick beforehand, you know, and they died maybe hours later. You know, but Luke, making it more dramatic than it was, you know, he said that, you know, he connected the two events. We moderns want to know why they died you know, we want to have a rational answer for their death. This is the thing. We don't. No one does. And this is why. It's not the point. Their deaths aren't the point of the story. And the more that we try and figure out why they died, the further from the real point of the story we get. The more rabbits we chase down rabbit holes the further we remove ourselves from what Luke is really trying to say. What Luke is trying to say is that you know he wants, to know, he wants us to know that the resurrection led to the formation of a community who were generous, who were honest, who gave of themselves, who did whatever that they needed to do to make sure that everyone's needs were met. That's why this story is in the, is in the Bible. It's a reminder of that time that I was told, what would kill me? but I didn't listen, and then when I was dying, I blamed everybody else for my death, not really, I was told what would kill me, but I just didn't act on it. You know, there's things that will kill the life of a community, and withholding yourself is one of them. Withholding yourself is one of those things that can kill a community. You know, there's not many things, but there are some things that can disconnect you from God and withholding yourself is one of those things withholding yourself from God withholding yourself from God's community is one of those things Peter uh, continues to to, uh, to write this he writes a book and he says this stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour He writes this, he has this revelation that when you disconnect yourself, that when you withhold yourself, it's a lot more easier for the enemy to come and devour you. That's what this story is about. The death is irrelevant. What happened was Ananias and Sapphira, they disconnected themselves and then something happened. You know, the enemy finds it hard to devour you when you're connected to the body of Christ. (laughs) The enemy finds it very difficult when you're participating. The enemy finds it very hard uh, to devour someone when, when they're participating in the generosity of a church. You know, the enemy finds it very difficult, extremely hard to devour someone when they're receiving a blessing, when they're receiving grace from the church. Whether you're giving or whether you're getting isn't the point. The point is this, put yourself in a position where you can engage and when you can uh, where you can participate with the body of Christ see when you're connected you're protected See when you're involved you cannot be dissolved when you're together we can fight forever. when you participate you can navigate any attack on your family or the world. The point of the story is this to be a hundred percent connected. The point of the story is this is to be involved with the church. The point of the story is this that when you 're with the body of Christ whether you're getting or giving is not the point the point is to be involved. That's the point. The point is to we're a family. We're one house with many rooms. We're connected. Don't be disconnected. Don't come to church pretending to be involved. That's what this scripture is about. Because once you pretend, oh man, Once you begin pretending to be involved, you know, coming to church, just doing the thing, (laughs) just, I'm here, I'm involved, that's what can potentially take you out. That right there. I've seen this, I've been a pastor now for, for 12, 13 years, full time, and been a Christian for 15 years. This is the one thing that takes the church out is people disconnecting themselves, period. That's what it is. My challenge to you this morning is this. Find a space, find a place where you can connect or reconnect yourself to the body of Christ. Find a place, find a space where you can be involved with the generosity of the church. Find a space, find a place where you can connect with other people. Here's a thought, life group, get involved in a life group. That's a place of connection. I tell you what, when that flippin' idiot, the devil comes around and tries to take you out and devour you, it's going to be hard because you've got a group of friends and people that are praying for you that are caring for you, that are there for you, that are connected with you, that are there to show grace. And when they go through a hard time, you're there to give them grace, (laughs) to give them support. That's what the story is about. It's about connection. It's about people connected and communities transformed because who knows, sometimes I need to know that you're there for me and sometimes you need to know that I'm here for you. That's what it means when we say people connected, communities transformed. It's about connecting people to us. It's about connecting people to God and through that connection, it transforms their world and most likely their family. That's what this is about. <laughs> Tell you what, if you want to see this place explode, it's not how good Pastor John and Francine can lead us. Our growth is not dependent on them, right? It's not dependent on how good their staff are. The Bible says this, that Luke writes it. He says every day they met in each other's houses. They ate together. They they, they went to church together. They they lived for one another. They gave to each other's knees. And it says this, that the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. It had nothing to do with the preacher. It had nothing to do with the systems or the structure and everything to do with the church, you and I simply loving each other. That's what grew the church let me encourage you this morning you know why don't you find people to connect with why don't you find a life group to be involved with why don't you find some kind of mission to be involved with and give to our community of Ipswich God knows that we need some love in this city you know God knows that hey there's a group of people sitting at 5 Pring Street right now sitting at Woodlink State School right now that are ready to give something to our community why don't we stand this morning church come on let's stand up Let's give God some praise today. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Come on. Now and forever, God, you reign. Jesus, we worship you. Yours is the King.